The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy trends, innovations, and debates. Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guests on Off the Shelf are from Booz Allen Hamilton. We have Bill Schuler. Bill is a senior vice president focusing on the Army market. He leads a team that deals with C4ISR, and he's also leading uh, Booz Allen Hamilton's strategy around network modernization and resilience technologies. We also have Chris, Chris too. Chris is a principal and distinguished engineer in Booz Allen Hamilton's Strategic Innovation Group. Steve Modica. Mm-hmm. Steve, I got that right, Steve. Absolutely. Uh, first good one for me. He's a chief technologist and engineer in the Defense and Intelligence Group at Buzan Hamilton. And last, we have Patrick Ward. Patrick is a chief technologist and engineer in Buzan Hamilton's Defense and Intelligence Group as well. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show this morning. Good to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. There's a lot going on. At the department right now, um, I know before we started the show, we're talking a little about the cloud and where that's all going. But uh, today we're going to talk about, as we, the introduction suggested, network modernization and resilience. And so, Bill, what is network resilience? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, it seems like you can't um, turn on the TV or hear on the radio about some aspect of a network going down. And you've got bad actors out there. You've got equipment failures, equipment misconfigurations network overload, and even flooded data centers. And so really, uh, a resilient network is designed to anticipate, prepare for, and adapt to changing requirements. You know, rather than fail famously, we'd rather see the network degrade gracefully. Um, the DOD is using networks for more than just communication these days. They're integrating with weapon systems. And that's a pretty powerful thing. But when you think about it, that also creates a potential target for our adversaries. The networks are so important that uh, the cyber has been named as the fifth warfighting domain in addition to air, land, sea, and space. Together, these comprise multi-domain battles that military leaders have to contend with and must uh, um, win over. So, you know, network resilience is, is here to stay. It's not a fad. It's, it's more of a race. You know, there's, there's an old quote that says, you know, when you're finished, you're finished. And that couldn't be truer with the network. Every IT system must be continually modernized. Think about it from this perspective on cyber. If you build a 10-foot wall, it won't be long before your adversary comes along with an 11-foot ladder. So IT systems are part of our daily fabric. Every modernization investment will have an IT system to consider. Network complexity and cyber threats will continue to evolve. So must the network. Yeah. Uh, so you, you asked about uh, resilience, Roger, and I, you know, it's it's not a fad. It's been around since the beginning. Um, famously, you know, Hedy Lamar helped invent uh, frequency hopping, right? So they couldn't jam our torpedoes as we were guiding our torpedo toward a target. They could jam it. She used a piano roll to have us hop around so they couldn't. And that network became resilient to that particular threat. Nowadays, you know, our networks, commercial networks you and I use have gotten much, sure. much more complicated, right? You don't just watch movies off Netflix, you play video games where you might fire a shot and some guy in California 
has to register that shot. Not, not so me, my son would be your doing son, that. Your son, exactly. Yes. That, my son as well. So yes. they're probably playing each other right now. <laughs> right. And latency is critical there, right? Well, no, my son's in school. I don't know about, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, that's ahead. what they tell me. <laughs> yes. um, so we know that in the middle, in the middle of the network now, there are these huge companies, these content delivery network providers like Akamai and Limelight that are actually caching lots of the content. They're moving more of the processing out to the edge. You know, like they've got data stored right at the data center close to your house so that you can get those things rapidly. You know, you, you figure when you da- upload your uh, download a new version of your iOS image for your iPhone, sure, yeah. you're not pulling that from some server in Apple's basement, right? Mm-hmm. It's coming from all over the country, 300 million phones on the same day. It's happening in a distributed fashion. So those things have made our commercial networks more complicated. And as Bill pointed out, as we add weapon systems, unmanned sensors, drones, and other unmanned vehicles... They all become part of that network, and they all add to the level of complexity that has to become resilient. So, Patrick, listening to you know, Bill and Steve describe you know, the challenge, the state of play in the market, the visual that you did with regard to you build a 10-foot wall and somebody comes along with an 11-foot ladder, I keep thinking about that imagery and that this is like an ongoing, constant, continuous game of chess. Is that... Fair to say, and when you're thinking about how to, you know, fortify the network, make it more resilient, is that? I think it's fair to say, Roger, and I think there's more complexity as well, you know, strategically as we look at where networks are going. So it's not just coming along with, you know, the 11 foot ladder. It's uh, new types of ladders, right, and new capabilities okay, that are, cool. that, are yeah. that are coming onto the scene um, every day. And the challenge that our clients face, our government, our commercial clients is to understand and anticipate how some of these even commercial technologies might be employed in trying to take down their networks or degrade their systems. And so it really requires um, a change of organization, a change of process. It's akin to trying to build a plane or rebuild a plane, right, while flying it. Right. And we've started to see, you know, the Army, for example, is, is undertaking some pretty significant organizational structural changes to actually address complexity in their networks and complexity in their digital systems uh, and try to modernize those with an eye towards what are the real requirements. So the key considerations going forward are what do we have to do to fix today's networks? What are the things we can invest in in, and deploy rapidly to fix what we need for tomorrow or next week? And then what kind of more systemic investments and shifts can we employ to try to predict the future and put the right capabilities in place for the DOD and for uh, commercial organizations to compete and win in the future. Right. And that's really the nature, the changing nature of networks and modernization. Well, well, to address that, you know, one of the things I guess I'm learning about is the role that software automation and automation plays in improving resiliency. And can you talk a little bit about that? Chris, I think you yeah. That, okay, right? Chris, go ahead. You know, it's it's interesting because um, the internet itself was built to be resilient to nuclear attack, right? And um, early on, you know, for networks that have been built for for many years now, uh, resiliency was always a big design consideration. But it was it had more to do with hardware. Uh, did you build the redundant paths? Did you build redundancy within the the routers? But the num- one of the biggest concerns today amongst uh, CIOs and CISOs are misconfiguration. The network has become so complex to manage that uh, just fat-fingering the wrong configuration into a network could really wreak havoc. 
So that's where software and automation can come in to try to um, at least reduce those types of misconfigurations through automation and through automating the provisioning of new services and provisioning of new users onto the network, as well as trying to automate how you respond to a cyber attack or how you respond to a performance degradation within the network. You know, when I was early on in my career, one of my roles at a commercial service provider was to look through hundreds of provision, circuit provisioning orders to evaluate whether they went through the same manhole. <laughs> uh, those circuits went through the same manhole. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've come a long way from that where, you know, within the network itself, there's a lot of redundancy, but it does come down to uh, really trying to see how you could use software to, to improve that, that resiliency. So, Chris, we, you know, we have about a minute left sure. and this is a big question, but maybe and we can start it and maybe talk about more on, uh, when we come back. Is When you guys are describing this to me, you know, I'm thinking about the department and it's cross-cutting, like everything it does. It's like such a huge place. So, you know, network resilience isn't just – it's all tied together too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so – you know, DHA, Defense Health Agency, and and its networks and what it does to support the warfighter and what it has to do is tied into, you know, the rest of the department as as well. And so when you out, go out and deploy, you've got that network, right? Then you've got the warfighter and their network. And, mm -hmm. you know, you got Space Command, you got the satellites and all this stuff. How do you even get a, begin to even get a handle on, you know, you talked about the one manhole cover. I mean, this yeah. is like, it's... Well, How do you even, where do you start? I, the, the, where we've started at Booz Allen, actually, we have a, a network resilience thrust. Um, and we've actually tried to uh, break the problem down. So we've broken the network, as we sure, call it, into sure. six domains. Uh, you know, we have things and sensors. We have core networks, uh, which is sort of the backbone network that might be managed by like a DISA uh, within the DoD. Uh, data center and cloud. Uh, comms on the moves to, to deal with those tactical type networks, uh, as well as, you know, your traditional LAN and, and wireless LAN environments, mm -hmm. and then your network uh, operation centers and SOCs. And what we've tried to do is just subdivide the problem out because, like you said, it's a huge problem and, and such an undertaking to try to look at when, when you try to look at everything at once. So we've tried to subdivide it down and understand what are the issues in each of those domains and what right. are the potential solutions that we can apply there. Right. And then do you, at the end of the day, you, gotta, you pull it together in sort of a comprehensive overlay? Yes, look, yeah. yes, 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 okay. exactly. Well, when we come back, we'll continue to talk uh, about network modernization and resilience, and we'll talk about you know, how long it's going to take to get there. Are you ever there? Uh, why don't we have it yet? Um, and uh, my guests today are from Booz Allen Hamilton, uh, the uh, Network Modernization and Resilience Team, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guests are from Booz Allen Hamilton. Bill Schuler is a Senior Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton, focusing on the Army market. Chris Christou is a principal and distinguished engineer at Booz Allen Hamilton's Strategic Innovation Group. Steve Modaka is a chief technologist and engineer in defense and intelligence group at Booz Allen. Steve, I got it right again, right? Yes. That's excellent. And perfect. then Patrick Ward is also a chief technologist and engineer at Booz Allen Hamilton's defense and intelligence group. We're talking today about network modernization and resilience. And when we took the break, 
Um, we're talking about the changing environment. And um, Patrick, I'm going to turn to you. And you use this analogy. I guess it's right. It's an analogy. Um, you know, the idea of like building the plane while you're flying it at the same time. You know, what does that mean, and what the challenges are there? And so, when you get when you think about modernization and resilience, it's an ongoing challenge. Where you're never really there yet, are you? I mean, it's something that's always. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, certainly, Roger. You aren't ever really there. It's like we experience in our personal lives. We've got an opportunity to to buy the latest and greatest device, and it provides some new features and functionality and capabilities. And and our clients, and especially our DoD clients, have to ask the question in a very measured way of balancing the increase in effectiveness with the potential impact to affordability. Um, and how can I afford something over the long term? And, you know, is the capability or the, the new commercial technology that's just come out this year or is coming out next year, is that going to be uh, something that's viable for, you know, the midterm or the long term? Uh, and these are hard questions because the pace of change in, in commercial is so fast. But they d- we do know, and our clients are, are really taking a look at this from a mission perspective. They know that the nature of the mission is changing, that there's a lot more complexity in the places that the DOD operates and the missions that they're taking on. And, and they're really restructuring their strategy around networks and modernization uh, to sort of uh, thrive in that complex environment, to understand the complexity and then to apply technology uh, where it fits best to solve certain mission problems. And we know that you know current processes uh, and policies within DOD exist to sort of slow that, that pace of change to a certain degree. Well, now we're starting to You're see... You're talking about the lawyers, right? And the right, exactly. Well, it's the lawyers yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the policy decisions yeah. about acquisition, large programs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and, and you know that, that's wise because these are big resource investments. So I think we'll start to see that evolve. Uh, we'll start to see that change where our clients can now use more uh, agility in how they acquire and pilot commercial technologies to try to solve some of their problems. And so what does it mean when use the phraseology current next and future fight is that another you know a, uh, another way to say it's always an ongoing you know challenge to meet the next um, as you buy capability to be able to make it more resilient as yeah, future ex- threats is that I mean I like that term current next and future it is it's it's operationally relevant for our DoD clients that's how they're thinking about the world you know you can't just buy one solution or build one solution to solve every problem forever. Uh, and so you've really got to look at what are the tasks and the problems that these client organizations are going to be asked to address today and make sure that the network exists to support today's mission. Right. And then for future missions, that could be a completely different set of technology in a completely different set of environments for a completely different set of scenarios. And most importantly, dealing with a different set of people because uh, really, it's people who use these networks and it's people who derive benefit, whether it's from you know humanitarian assistance or defense or whatever it is, uh, derive benefit from these networks. And so uh, it's a planning paradigm. It's a strategic paradigm. And we at Booz Allen, we're, we're already thinking that way and helping our clients think that way. Well, Chris, picking up on uh, Patrick's you know, op- observations regarding current next and future fights, um, you know, and, and changes in networks and all those challenges with the capability of technology. So in my network at home, the Waldron network, mm-hmm. like we, we actually finally, it's a point of embarrassment, but we did finally eliminate a, a 15-year-old projection TV and upgraded to you know a new flat screen that can access the internet and do all these wonderful things. 
uh, directly. Um, so that's like a change in capability. It's like people want to have iPhones, like I guess generals, like they want to have iPhone capability. Why can't they have it and those kind of things? So, you know, can you talk a little bit about what that means, like the changing nature of ad- wanting to add applications and how that gets addressed in the context of network resilience? Yeah, a, a big challenge that we see some of our clients uh, facing these days is that uh, in a lot of cases, uh, they're moving towards cloud-hosted applications, voice, video, uh, and data. And, and it's really the voice and video that can stress the network in a lot of cases. Uh, and, you know, everything from ensuring that there's sufficient bandwidth uh, within those local area networks, unfortunately, it's not as easy as just calling up uh, AT&T or Verizon to, to order uh, additional capacity, uh, as well as just simple things that uh, are, are logistical in nature, like configuring firewalls to make sure that that traffic can is allowed through. And so what we really need to remember is that with the advent of digital-based applications, augmented reality, virtual reality, but even simple voice and video, the network has to be there to support those those types of applications. And even from a security perspective, there are a lot of stringent requirements and, and processes that are in place to make sure that firewalls are configured correctly. But we can use things like software and automation and virtualization of these functions uh, as, as well as distribute those functions out right. to ensure that, um, to make it that much easier to reconfigure security settings to allow that type of traffic through. Right. Well, is that, you know, when you describe that, that network, there's centralized, right, security and then regionalized and the, the paradigm there, how does that Yeah. When you that? look at a lot of how networks are, are architected today, you know, there's a notion of perimeter-based security, uh, which can, as well as trying to centralize those security functions. And that can really uh, leave things vulnerable once an adversary gains access to your network. And so uh, I, I heard a CTO from a major uh, vendor um, say to us when, when he came in and talked with us about how um, it, when you want to, sure, you want to virtualize things like firewalls, right? Uh, but you need to distribute it and centralize the control. And so that's really... Uh, where things are going, especially in the cloud, when you start to get to micro-segmentation and microservices, where you get that firewall and, and security functionality closer to the end host so that you you're, you don't have these bottlenecks within the network. And Steve, when I'm listening to all this stuff, you know, one, one of the things I think about is, because I worked in the government for 20 years, so and that goes back into I started in the 80s, okay? <laughs> So and there's and like the agency I work for is still running legacy systems. Oh sure, uh, from that from that time period. <laughs> so you know there's a challenge of the legacy systems. There's a challenge of the new technology. And then uh, as I understand it, you know companies like for example Apple, they you know backward compatibility or like continuing things. They just want to move on to the next thing, right? Yeah. So Ap- how does that all work when you're thinking about resilience? What what does the you know the 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 department have to think about in that context. Well, so I, I listened to Chris and Patrick talk about the networks, and and for me as a tactical radio guy, so I deal with the stuff that's out on the battlefield. You know, I salivate over the idea. Of that's a, why you talked about the uh, the what was it, the torpedoes? Was it or oh, the yeah, missiles yeah, the, at the, the, the beginning the of the show? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if if I could just have a tower every kilometer so that I could talk to the soldier from a tower, I mean that would be great. But on right. the battlefield, those are called targets, not towers, right? <laughs> so right. you don't have that, and and our our radios all have to be line of sight, and you know, be able to see the next guy 
And if I had a dollar for every general that said, why can't I just have an iPhone, you know, uh, where I could say, well, if you just had a tower, you could have an iPhone. Um, we have to go on the battlefield with radio equipment. We have to support hundreds of thousands of radios, vehicles, weapon systems that are legacy, and they're not going away. You know, they, they're going right. to last a long, long time. They're still effective. Um, so as we look at adding new technology, my way of thinking with them is that we have to think about modularity and standards. I want to bring in new technology. I want to bolt it on to all that old technology, and I want to deal with that security at those boundary points. Because sometimes a soldier, you know, out in the battlefield in the heat of a firefight, he's, he's not going to want to thumb in a pin. Right. You know, so he can call for help, right? <laughs> yeah, he just right. wants to get on that radio and call. And right. you have to have ways of doing that that are different from how you would work with, say, an iPhone on a, on a commercial network. So is that as when you describe the battlefield and that, and I think about GPS, I was thinking mm-hmm. like, you know, like drone technology, not just drones that are way up high in the sky, right? You know, nowadays, right? Or like soldiers maybe unpack a drone that's like you know two feet across, sure. right? And sure. and and send it off to to you know see what's what's over ahead the of them, what's over yeah you know, what's over the horizon a little bit, uh, over the hill, um, and pulling that all together making sure it's resilient. I mean, Uh, my comparison is I, the comparison I love to use is radar detectors and radar guns. You know, we all, it's all the same company. So the guys who are making the radar guns, the police use are the same guys that are making the radar detectors, you know, and it's true in the commercial world, right? People are making chips for radios and for GPSs. And people are also using those same chips and receivers to figure out how to defeat them. them. Right. So you, you have to be thinking on your feet and, and GPS has been around a long, long time. Uh, we're obviously moving to newer forms of GPS like SASM and MCODE. And, and uh, the military has, you know, got paths to do that stuff. And you have to because those technical edges are where the, uh, where the uh, vulnerabilities lie. Okay. Well, you know what, guys? I think we're up on the break. Uh, but when we come back for the next segment, uh, I want to ask you, you know, I think we're starting to touch on it. But, you know, what are some of the key kn- knowns and unknowns? Uh, for such a large organization, and what does the department need to think about directly when it's making its network more resilient? My guests today are the Booz Allen Hamilton DOD Network Modernization and Resilience Team, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guests are from Booz Allen Hamilton. We have Bill Schuler. Bill is a senior vice president at Booz Allen Hamilton. He is focusing on the Army market, C4ISR. Uh, Chris, Chris, too. Chris is a principal and distinguished engineer in Booz Allen Hamilton's Strategic Innovation Group. Steve Modica. Steve is a chief technologist and engineer in the Defense and Industry Intelligence Group. And Patrick Ward is also a chief technologist and engineer with Booz Allen Hamilton's Defense and Intelligence Group. And guys, um, you know, this segment, we, we're talking about network modernization and resilience. And in this segment, and Bill, I'm going to turn to you. Um, you know, so, the, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the, lots of the challenges, but I, w- I wanted you to focus on, if you could, the key knowns and unknowns of such a large organization like the Department of Defense, um, should, what it should consider for a resilient network. Well, there's a heck of a lot of legacy hardware and software in the government networks. You have to worry about uh, backwards compatibility, you know, the sustainment programs, and the large dollars to sustain them. I mean, heck, we still have ADA software out there that people are trying to modify. 
you know, as far as modernization goes and resilience, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a slow process, but it needs to be deliberate. We need to divest that old equipment. We need to replace it with secure, resilient components. Too often, um, we go with a bottoms-up build-out, and we really need to think more about what it affects from the top down. What we really need is uh, a network architecture with blueprints, technology roadmaps, innovations, and investments. Patrick? Yeah, I agree, Bill. And, and I think our clients in the DOD recognize you know, the need for an innovative approach uh, as an alternative path to a future state, you know, of, of complexity and unknowns. And, and it's alternative to an evolutionary approach. Um, this idea of refreshing the existing technology on a regular basis as a way to arrive in this more resilient future state, I think has expired. Um, we know that because we're, we're listening to our clients uh, at the most senior levels, the chiefs of staff of the military departments, who have all, you know, testified very publicly and given statements and and now are even publishing uh, strategies and vision documents that specifically reference the word resilience. You know, they're looking for their systems to degrade gracefully, and they're also looking for their organization um, to have the ability to operate even when these network systems aren't available, right? So not to be overly dependent on any one system, but as a whole, when you bring all the different components together, have enough capability to ensure mission success, and where possible, to still maintain and even grow uh, the level of overmatch that that they have against adversaries. And we uh, we heard from you know General Milley, the Chief of Staff of the Army, and General Neller from the Marine Corps, each of whom you know recognize and and discuss the need for these more resilient digital networks uh, in, in a multi-domain scenario. So we know that things are changing. Our clients recognize it. They know that innovation is, is one of the ways to get to where they want to go. And now it's about how do they uh, rebuild that plane while they're flying it? How do they take their existing organization, uh, move some pieces around organizationally, change some processes, and start to adopt these technologies into what they're doing? So... Steve, you know, when you when you start talking about adopting new technologies, you know, sometimes it's the last guy to adopt that's the loser. Sometimes actually it can be the first guy to adopt. I you know, I know I think about some folks in my family <laughs> that when they first started coming out with um digital technology to watch on your TV, you know, and you had the video disc, right? They <laughs> were like disc. they were ones that they were ones that were as big as like yeah, old-fashioned records, LPs, right? yeah, 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 absolutely. And that technology was around for a while, and then all, and they spent thousands, literally thousands of yes. dollars of buying yes, the yes. recorder, and then those things, That's and then right. boom, in a, in a in a nanosecond, it was gone. Yeah. So how how does the leadership of the department? How do you how do you manage that? Like you, you want to take advantage of this technology, but how do you pick the right technology? Or how do you think about you know that future? You know you talked about earlier over the hill, like yeah, you know we're right. talking about over over that hill. What's coming next in technology, and how do you make those judicious sort of decisions? Well, as an Army tactical radio guy, uh, I'm always looking at what uh, sort of basic research is going on. So uh, ARL, uh, different colleges. You know, some of the stuff I love right now is uh, microchannel plasmas. You know, things that can can be more advanced antennas, stuff like that. You know, we still use antennas that are you know, back from the get-go, the same exact technology. 
But what what I have noticed is you can never guess who the winners are going to be. You know, somebody comes up with a new thing that has a great new feature to it or offers you some new capability, but you never know if it's really going to make it to the point of maturity where you can actually prototype it, actually use it in a battlefield situation. Uh, And that's a challenge. And I constantly look at what small business is doing, what the SMTCD folks are doing in the Army like CERTIC, um, you know, the things they're trying to come up with to give to us or to transition to us always monitoring that technology to see if it's ready for prime time. Right. So is, is part of that the lesson from a sort of strategic perspective then there too is you don't put your eggs, if you're someone like right. the department, you can't put your eggs all That's in exactly one basket. That's exactly right. right? You know, and, and it's one of the things I've been trying to work through with them now is they, you know, generally the Army likes to come up with a list of requirements and vent a solution that meets all the requirements. But we're getting to the point now where we don't need a set of requirements that define a solution. We need a set of requirements that define the battlefield requirements. And then you might need three or four solutions to meet all those requirements. And they need to be modular. Just how we wouldn't send a soldier up into the mountains with the same exact equipment we'd send a soldier into the desert. Well, we want to do that with radios, right? We want them to have the same radio for every operation, but just the way terrain is, the way the enemy is, the you know, they have to have different radios, different technologies to do different jobs and meet different requirements. Well, Chris, can you pick up on uh, what um, Steve was talking about there? Just talk a little bit about how you go about planning to address resilience, what with thinking about the future state, um, you know, and, and how you, in creating those partnerships you need across industry and, yeah. and actually partnerships Within the department itself, right? That's course, a very yeah. parochial place. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, the, the, the partnerships are required. Um, you know, what we've seen in certain cases is, especially in the world with uh, software-defined networking, is leadership or other um, organizations within the government, they get a lot of marketing material around this new technology, and it's certainly very promising. But the important thing to, to remember is let's not just implement new technology for the sake of it. Um, And so what we really advocate is first developing a good roadmap that takes into the realities of what is my existing infrastructure today? When are my uh, refresh and what does the budget prognosis look like to to upgrade those? And then really trying to go after the low-hanging fruit up front. Interview those op staff who are managing the network to say, what are the problems today? What's taking me long to, to resolve, whether it be a cyber attack or provisioning new services or dealing with a performance degradation and seeing how we can apply new technologies like automation and orchestration to help ameliorate those those issues. So, um, you know what? We got about a minute left, um, Bill. When the department's thinking about, I just want to focus on one quick question, just about resilience and the access to technology or solutions how does the procurement system, the way the, the department buys, are there things there that they need to think about changing, um, at least the way they buy and how they buy? Well, Absolutely. That's the same thing, the way and how, I guess. But, right. <laughs> go ahead. Absolutely, Roger. Um, what they really need to focus on is the operational outcomes, not just the solutions. At the end of the day, what does it, what does it need to do? You know, all too often we'll see government procurements and you, know, you look into the requirements, and there's a thousand technical requirements. Uh, there's backwards compatibility. There's, there's military specifications and standards that they reference, and this all leads to the complexity that we're talking about. You know, we can all probably point to a, a, a government a DoD program where you know the system made it through the developmental tests and they passed all the you know the very detailed specifications. But at the end of the day, 
they can't get through the operational test because they can't uh, achieve that operational outcome that we talked about. So every modernization effort really has to have a network resilience lens on it. Um, if you're operating the network with some new routers, you, know, you better be doing it more than just for the speed's sake. You need to be thinking about what am I going to be achieving for resilience. So every network designer needs to consider that. And if they're not um, achieving any kind of resilience, they probably should rethink what they're doing. Right. So it needs to, it's like, it has to be, as I think Patrick pointed out, the department is now talking more, you know, every time they talk, they talk about resilience, right? It has to be baked into the, Mm -hmm. to the system from start developing the requirements to how it's articulated to the companies seeking to support them. Right. Guys, we do have to take uh, our next break. My um, guests today are from Booz Allen Hamilton's Network Modernization and Resilience Team, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guests are from Booz Allen Hamilton's Network Modernization and Resilience Team. Uh, Bill Schuler, he is a Senior Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton. Chris Christou is a Principal and Distinguished Engineer in Booz Allen Hamilton's Strategic Innovation Group. And from Booz Allen Hamilton's Defense and Intelligence Group, we have Steve Modica. He is a Chief Technologist and Engineer. And Patrick Ward, also a Chief Technologist and Engineer. And guys, so so this last segment, um, we've talked a lot about changes in technology, legacy systems, all those kind of things. So this segment, I would just say, talk about how. Like, how do you modernize it? Um, how do you make it more resilient and sort of from a Booz Allen Hamilton perspective, how do you approach this large, complex set of challenges? Uh, Patrick? Sure, Roger. Thanks. For us, uh, it really starts first and foremost with people. For Booz Allen, people are our center of gravity. Uh, for our clients, uh, people are often their center of gravity as well. If we start with technology, I think that's that's where we can start to you know get into trouble trying to shoehorn technologies into certain scenarios that maybe aren't supportable. And so if we start with people and we really look at, you know, how they depend on IT networks to communicate, uh, develop common understanding, convey intent, and build trust with their stakeholders, um, that usually leads us to a better understanding of uh, the collection of technology that can fulfill an operational need or solve a problem. And we've got frameworks that have emerged over the last 15 years uh, that have, uh, you know, underwritten a lot of the commercial innovations we've seen. And I think that maybe have been slow to be adopted in certain parts of our client spaces, but that we're trying to help them adopt. Uh, One example of that is uh, technology business management, TBM. um, And the core tenets of TBM include fostering a business or mission culture in IT, developing sound fiscal discipline around IT, and then enabling the right value conversations. And those, those value conversations are where engineers and designers and operational uh, leaders within organizations can come together uh, to understand what the true requirements are to capture those and then to help use those as the basis for their network design. Right. So, Patrick, I like that focus on people, and I, so I wanted to follow up on it. And it's the people that your subject matter experts, right, in part that, you know, help figure things out for the client. But it's that engagement also with, quote, the people who are the requirements holder, like their organizational structures, their, what are they trying to accomplish, how their management structures and processes 
because the tech, you, you you made a great point. The tech, just focusing on the technology without looking on the human side of what the organization actually is trying to accomplish and how it's doing it, you have to tie those two together. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right, Roger. And within Booz Allen, you know, we have the advantage insofar as our our people are embedded with our clients executing these missions, you know, often on a day-to-day or hourly or, or even more frequent basis. And so we pull together teams that include, you know, the technical subject matter experts, engineering and science experts, consulting experts, and then people who are embedded operationally. We pull them together to help address some of these problems. And that's, I think, the approach that, you know, our clients are going to take themselves more and more where they pull together these cross-functional teams to help address some of their vulnerabilities. So, Bill, you have some additional thoughts? Yeah, yeah, Pat, I think Pat's right. I mean, our people are working with clients now to transform these modernization. Um, we're constantly looking at new technologies and innovations. You know, we're always asking the questions, you know, what kind of resilience does it provide? Does it work as advertised? You know, is it mature? Will it scale? You know, when you think about resilience, we have to do this right. This can't be like cyber. Um, cyber is almost, is almost like a bolt-on. People are thinking about IA after the fact, and that's a very expensive way to do it. If we do network resilience right, I think we can be very efficient in that. So having said that, you know, we can't rest on our laurels. There's no status quo. Every day a new cyber breach or, or threat intel is, is encountered, and our staff working with clients, you know, we, we're predicting and mitigating risks from, the, from, those, uh, from those threats. So Chris, I have to, you know, as we, we talk about this, uh, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm a layperson, but so a multi-domain mission thread um, and market verticals, like, can you tell, there's, I guess there's six major physical architecture segments, you know, to build on what, 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 what Bill was talking about and just w- the, what you're doing? Sure. Um, really, when you look at it uh, within the networking, network technology industry, it's actually extremely exciting, Right. Uh, you had mentioned before about software and automation and a lot of new tool, uh, technologies coming out. Like we've talked a lot about SDN, there's 5G, uh, all of these things. But it can be pretty daunting uh, to both uh, understand where these technologies are going, what are the different vendors out there, as well as daunting, like you said, of just trying to ta- tackle everything. How, how, how do you look at this? So what we're doing is um, we're first... We, like, like I mentioned before, we've uh, sort of subdivided the networks into six uh, key components or, or with categories of networks. And then we're, we're developing what we like to call a placemat, which really shows where we think these different network segments are going in the future to become more resilient. Um, and then after that, we, we look at it in sort of two ty- types of time horizons. The first one is um, more near term. How do we apply these new technologies that are emerging the SCN technologies automation um, to those networks today through blueprints. So we'd like to develop blueprints and and partner with a lot of these other technology companies uh, with with those blueprints. And then we're also developing a number of proofs of concepts for um, longer term uh, uh, technologies and and where that will really revolution start revolutionizing the things. Everything from applying machine intelligence to networking. Uh, to uh, a new uh, types of technologies involving intent-based networks, um, to to other even uh, using voice recognition for the knock. So uh, we're really trying to t- tackle this holistically, but at the same time try to uh, uh, decompose the problem so it's not too much to handle at any given time. 
All right, so, and Steve, I have to ask you, what, what, what is digital convergence? Boy, uh, digital convergence. Well, back when I started in networking, digital convergence was when your storage and your network became one network. You know, and that was a technology that everyone got all excited about, and everybody kept claiming to have it, whether it was iSCSI or Fiber Channel over Ethernet. You know, eventually we're all going to collapse onto one wire. It'll all be one wire. And I think Ethernet is still going to do that one day. It'll all, everything will be Ethernet one day. We're getting there. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, my take on the, on the battlefield is that we, we're going to have a lot of different networks, but they have to be able to plug in together and work as one. Right. And we've been avoiding that. We've been trying to invent one radio, one network. Um, one of the things I've done recently is I built a prototype. I built a team uh, working with SNTCD, TAC Radio, the Army's Advanced Design and Manufacturing Lab. Um, and we got together. We built this thing, and it was a little box that could plug into a radio, take power from the radio, so it go right on the soldier's back. And it merged a satellite network and one of the ground networks. And it let dismounted soldiers for the first time see the Blue Force Tracker Network, and they could see where all their buddies were, and wow. they could report their own. Mm -hmm. So now you drop a scout over the hill. He's got no vehicle, no comms. People can see where he is. His GPS is showing up now. And we showed that at the network interoperability excursion, and there's nothing like showing them. You put it in front of them. They see it in real life. A soldier's carrying it. They get all excited. Uh, we made it simple. One button, one light. It's working or it's not working, you know, and, and they loved it. And that's the kind of thing. You have to bring that to them and show them what the possibilities are and get their minds thinking so you can get them to that next stage. Right. And then, and then part of that is you, as you converge, you've got to, you still have to constantly be thinking about how to, how to ensure resiliency as things converge, right? One of the challenges is they want the S6, the poor guy who the brigade has that's supposed to manage that network, he yeah. has to know about every device out there. And right now, that poor guy has to know all the addresses of all the devices. And we need to find a way of giving him that data in an automated fashion so it's, it's, he doesn't have to do it on a spreadsheet. It just comes to him on his computer and he can see what's out there. Right. The way you described it, all I started thinking about is like in the post 9-11 world when you're talking about first responders and they all were all in different systems and they yep. couldn't talk to each other. Yep. It's like addressing that but making sure it's secure when you as you do converge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's even one of the networks we're looking at. Those P25 okay. waveform radios that first yeah. responders use, uh, they're very versatile. They can use tower infrastructure. They can go point to point. You know, and, and they use them on post uh, quite often for just regular stuff, you know. Um, and we'd love to make sure those can tie into our tactical networks as well. Right, right. Guys, we're up at, to the end of the show. I want to thank my guest today, Bill Schuler. He is Senior Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, Chris Christou. Chris is a Principal and Distinguished Engineer at Booz Allen Hamilton's Strategic Innovation Group. Steve Modaka is a Chief Technologist and Engineer with the Defense and, and Intelligence Group. And Patrick Ward... Our final guest, he is a, also a chief technologist and engineer at Booz Allen Hamilton's Defense and Intelligence Group. We've been talking network modernization and resilience, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Off the Shelf only on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. To be your best every day 
you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.